seventh grade school graduation. I still get the beautiful chance to meet with a handful of those girls on a regular basis, which is just an absolute joy. So um, it goes on even after you leave as a stripper. Super fun. Um, but if you don't know who I am, do you all know who Jessica Hilly is? Everybody? Yeah. So where my school cred really hits the ground. That's my sister. So she's my sister. Um, I attend church here as well. I'm on a prayer team, a few other things. And I get to speak in here now and then. So I was super excited until I come talk to you guys about soul care. What's, what's a, even cooler about, oh, you know what? I never got a clicker. I need to get a clicker. Sorry. So what's even cooler about it is Cole had no idea that I actually have, thank you, is this foolproof? Oh yeah, okay. Um, Cole had no idea that I actually have a heart for this, this kind of talk. And the reason why is I grew up in the church. Um, I asked Jesus into my heart when I was very, very young. Um, I had awesome parents that did their very best. Um, but mental health, soul care, all of that, those were not words when I was younger. I'm just going to say it right now. The adults in the house probably know it too. Um, but um, Christianity was kind of hard for me. I mean, I didn't tell anybody that, but it was, it was hard for me to figure out how I could follow God and not seemingly be just like everyone else or have a bunch of struggles. Um, because it felt like, well, if I know him, I'm doing all the right things. It was kind of like a checklist. I'm good. But then I came across the teaching when I was actually an adult, and it gave vocabulary to me that helped me understand more about how we're created, how God actually designed us more than just our bodies, um, our physical bodies, but actually helped me understand a little bit more about myself. So we're going to take a step back and talk about soul care from, um, I just want to give you some verbs, verbiage so that you understand a little bit more how you're designed and how you're created, because I think it will help you in the rest of my talk about soul care, okay? And we're going to end this with some very practical things, but I'm going to give you some information right now that will hopefully, I think will be new to some of you, okay? All right, so we're going to start at square one. Um, we know that God created us with a physical body, like my little guy I put over here. Um, that is our body systems. You know, we've got our circulatory system, respiratory system, all the physical sides of us, our skin. Um, and it is getting information, right, from our five senses. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, and what we feel, okay? What, what are those five senses doing? They are actually physically sending messages to our mind, and that's where souls come in. So there's a, third, a second part of us. That's our soul, okay? And our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And I know that that was already described to you, but we are going to actually sit on that for a little bit today. I'm just giving you, like, Anatomy 101, okay? And so you can also see how they're affecting each other, okay? So our five senses are giving messages to our mind, and that's our soul as well. And then we have a third part of us that we don't talk a lot about, but we kind of get it, right? Our spirit. In actuality, guys, our spirit is a part of us that lives on forever. So if you've made the commitment, you know that Jesus is your savior, you're going to heaven, that's the part of you that lives on. Our physical body is just here and there. We got, well, might get like 70 to 90 years, maybe if we're lucky, 100. 
But in reality, our physical body is just here and now. But is not the world just pointing us to the physical all the time? I don't know about you guys. I was like, oh, man, what do I wear so I don't look like an old fuddy-duddy? I mean, I was even thinking about the physical, even just coming here to speak to you guys tonight. We, we think about it when we wake up in the morning to go to school. We, f- we spend a ton of time of our life focusing on the physical. But we don't spend a ton of it talking about the soul and how to actually be healthy in that, how to actually train it. And our spirit, we hardly ever talk about. Our spirit lives on forever. So in reality, guys, the most important part of you is your spirit that you could easily say, we are actually a spirit man or a spirit woman with a soul living in a physical body. And that is like a whole new paradigm shift of what we're thinking. Like, oh, wow, I got to be a little bit more, um, bring up the, the value of my spirit. And that's why if you found the Lord, you've, you're sealed in, you've been saved by the grace of God. You know who Jesus is. That is eternal salvation in heaven with God. Now, I'll be honest, when I was a kid, that's why I said yes to Jesus. I didn't want to burn in a fiery hell. But the reality is, whether you believe in hell as being a fiery pit or not, the reality of hell is separation from God forever. That's, like, if you haven't made the choice to follow him, that's what you're looking at after you die. Your spirit goes away from God for eternity. If you have made the choice to follow him, it's with him for eternity. Okay, that's just Anatomy 101. We're going to come back to some of that in a minute here. Okay, so your soul, let's really talk about what is the mind, will, and the emotion, emotions. Your mind are the thoughts you think, okay? If you, as you can see in this initial one, I have your soul is a little red circle or a little white circle. We're going to keep that, blow it up. This is what's inside that soul. Your mind are your thoughts. Your will are your actions or your behaviors. And your emotions are those lovely feelings we have so many of, especially in your teen years, it's just true. So, how are we unique? Oh, okay, you guys are gonna get my whole slide. These are supposed to be like dropping down as I go, but so try not to read everything because it might be overwhelming, I'll just be honest. So we're gonna start up here. Why are you unique? Why is your soul so unique? Okay, your soul is so unique because God made you that way first, okay? I have a little story here. So some of you, Avery Hills is my niece, and she's in this room. She's some youth group le- She's a youth group leader for some of you. Love her. She was born straight away. I had, uh, my oldest was two months apart from Avery, my sister's oldest. So we raised our two first children together. And I remember we were getting ready to go somewhere. I don't remember where it was. And I was just getting ready to walk out the door with my oldest son. And my sister calls me, Jess calls me, and she says, we're not coming. And I said, well, what happened? She said, Avery has popsicles all, like, it's from head to toe, and she will not let me change her clothes. I'm done. We're not, I, I'm, we're not going to make it. And I'm like, she's two. Like, what? And I have my little boy over there who just went with the flow. He could care less if I even clothed him, let alone didn't, you know, whatever I wanted to put out of he took. But that was his personality, and that was her personality. Now, fast forward 20 years, she has a business, she's finished college early, I mean, all these things. She has will, and she knows what she wants. She sets goals, and she goes at them. That was how she was born. It was just part of her personality. 
The other part, that will affect her mind, will, and emotions. She was just born that way. We have our temperaments. We have just kind of our bents. But the other part that makes us all so unique is our life experiences. Okay, so I don't care if you have the same parents, if you have siblings sitting in a room, your life experiences are like no one else's. None. Not a single person. So, for example, do you guys know what a doppelganger is? Yeah? Have you ever had somebody be like, I saw your twin at the mall today, or whatever? Some of us seem to get that a lot more than other people. Jess gets it all the time. <laughs> all the time. But there is no doppelganger of the soul. Okay? There is no one. You are more unique in the soul than you are any way else because not just of how God created your personality, but because your life experiences are like no one else's. No one else has your parents. No one else has the things in your life that have happened to you. Be them good. Be them bad. Be them somewhere in the middle. Your uniqueness is by far, your soul is number one as far as what makes you so perfectly you. Okay? There's no one like you. You're one of a kind. I have to say this because sometimes we're like, well, not great things have happened in my life experiences. I've had people tell me this about my personality. Let me just tell you, God loves you exactly as he created you. No matter what has come into your life or left your life, for that matter, he loves you exactly where you are, exactly where you are. And it matters. Your soul matters to God because you were created on purpose and for a purpose. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, so if we were all put on the face of this earth, and we want to make sure everybody knows the love of God, okay? Let's just say that. Because God really designed us so that we could follow him, know him, bring him glory, that his love and his goodness would pour out of us onto all those people around us. Just imagine, if you are so unique that no one's life experiences, no one's personalities is just like yours, that means the people you're friends with, the places you go, the people you connect with, the people that understand you, get you. Your parents got divorced when you were four, me too. You were bullied as a kid in high school. You, I was a bully in high school. You were too. Oh, my word. You understand how much I wish I wasn't. All of these life experiences will allow you to connect with whole other a whole other people group that I would never connect to or the person that sits next to you will never connect to. So God has designed us specifically because he created each and every one of you on purpose and for a specific purpose. He's that creative, and he loves you that much. He's, he's not just in the game of creating random people. No, he has you here in this moment, hearing this message, so that you know you were created on purpose and for a purpose. You might not know what that bigger purpose is yet or how you're going to come into it, but I will tell you, if you can just start to understand that that is truth, it's a lot to hold on to, Okay. Um, Cole talked about even this verse last week, 139.14, but I want to point out, as I was pulling that up again, oh yeah, that fearfully and wonderfully made verse. I love that verse. If you read on, it says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. What does it say right there? My soul knows it very well. Because that is where the most unique part of you is found, in your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay. All right, we're going to pop to the next slide. 
But then why is it such a struggle? If God created us this way, why is mental health so prevalent? Why is it, why um, the problem too is, I just want to point out, if you have physical health, do you go to the gym to have a heart, to make sure you have a heart attack and that you're like, like you're having a heart attack, so then you go to the gym. That's what I want to say. You had a heart attack, now you're going to go to the gym. No, physical health is taking care of business. You go to the gym so that you don't have a heart attack, so that you feel well, so that you're strong, so that you're able to do whatever you need to do, right? Mental health, for some reason, we think that means, oh, I have a problem. No. Mental health or soul care is about taking care of the part of your mental health, is like taking care of your soul, making sure that you are able to stay in a space that's right, that's true, that's healthy. So it takes work, just like going to the gym, okay? Now, why is it such a battle? Okay, so if you wanna start in the upper left corner, our flesh. We like to always, oh, the devil made me do it, or my friend made me do it, but the reality is we were created to desire to feel good, to feel comfort, okay? Not just mental comfort, but physical comfort. We want to feel good. We want to smell good things. We want to touch good things. We, want, we just want to feel. We have all the feels, and it comes from our five senses. But here's the problem. If that is coming in and affecting, we're, we're going out there, and we're, we're getting satisfaction, we're getting comfort from our flesh, it is affecting our mind, will, and emotions. Let's give an example of pornography, okay? Okay. I, um, we're going to even use this as an example. My, um, my thoughts were today, I was rejected by a girl or a guy. My actions were, I went home and I was stuck in this feeling of rejection. I felt awful, but I remembered, hmm, maybe that will make me feel better if I go to pornography. So then I go up to the actions, check it out. Then my mind says, oh my word, what did you do? Your mom's going to kill you. Your dad's going to kill you. Why did I do that? I know they said at church not to do that. Now I go down and I'm feeling shame. And what do I do when I feel shame? I'm going to hide from my parents and just stay in my room because I don't want to look them eye to eye. Do you see what I'm saying? These things will affect it. And I call it the mental mosh pit. What happens when our mind, thoughts, and emotions just keep feeding one another uncontrollably. It's like a big mosh pit. And it's really exhausting, causes anxiety, and sometimes we don't even know the why behind it, okay? The other thing is our life experiences. Now, this is where it gets real tricky. Oh, I'm gonna start up here, our choices. I kinda gave you one example of one of our choices. We can also choose just to do whatever we want and not care what anyone else thinks, okay? We could just go that route in actions. But in the reality, if we got real honest with ourselves and started asking ourselves, why did I do that? Hmm. And really started thinking about some of these things, we'd realize there's usually a thought that pushed us overboard to act a certain way or do something. And an emotion or a feeling that was pushed behind it. So these are so integrated. Life experiences. This one is where it gets tricky because, let's face it, a lot of times our mind or our emotions, they're actually hurt by somebody else's choice, right? 
our soul can actually get really hurt by somebody else's choice. We can't even do anything about it. What kind of fairness is this? But sometimes we can land in that and get in a tailspin with our mind, will, and emotions. And then down here, I said earlier, the devil made us do it. But there is an active enemy out there, okay? You guys have probably heard about him. Um, and then the, there's, the scripture says he actually sneaks around and tries to steal, kill, and destroy. Not just Christ's followers, everybody. He is an enemy of God, and he wants nothing good in your life. So the soul struggle is we got all these things bombarding us. All this stuff is coming at us. So you're not a bad person, first of all, okay? The Lord knows you, and it doesn't matter how much you've messed up in your head or somebody's done something to you or you've sinned in a certain way that you're like, oh, that's just unforgivable. I can never let anybody know about that. You're not a bad person, okay? You're not a bad person. God loves you just as you are. There is always hope. I also feel like as a Christian kid growing up in the church, I felt like just because there was a temptation that I was awful, that I even had the thought. But guys, temptation is just an urge. It's an urge. It's what you do with the urge. And when we get to the end, when we start talking about soul care principles and how to actually apply, like how to be really careful with your soul and your mind, will, and emotions, some of this will also actually help with that as well, okay? How to handle temptations. All right, and then you're not crazy. Like I said earlier, this minefield mosh pit that we call our mental health, it feeds each other, thoughts, emotions, actions. Then I have another thought, then I have another action, then my emotion gets the best of me. I don't know about you guys, anybody else lay in bed sometimes and your mind is just running, your emotions are, or, or I went through a, a period of time where I would lay in bed and I would just cry when I was alone. Finally, one day, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm crying. I mean, I, I knew when it started, but as time went on, I no longer knew why I was just so sad, why I was so sad all the time. Doesn't have to be this way, but you're not crazy. You're not alone. This is a thing. This, this, is, this is mental health. We all go through these moments, okay? So this probably sounds very um, depressing, but we're going to get to the good stuff here in a second. But I want you to know, um, even Paul from the Bible, okay, um, he was an amazing, like, God warrior. I mean, he was just out there doing what he could to let everybody know who Jesus was and how um, Jesus was the bringer of hope and how he could heal us and all these things. Well, I don't want you to read this because it's a lot, but I am going to actually have you listen to this and let me know well, let yourself know, in your heart, does this kind of sound like you, or you at times? I know that all God's commands are spiritual, and what he's talking about here is the Bible, okay? Paul had the word of God. He's like, I know what the Bible's telling me. I know it's all spiritual. I know, I know. But I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. If you can just kind of picture your, um, your soul as I had it pictured with all those things coming at you, kind of feels like a prison. You're just getting bombarded by the world or, or your thoughts or sin, a sin pattern, something you can't shake. 
But it says right here, what I don't understand about myself is that I decided one way, but then I go and act another way, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then just do it, it becomes obvious that God's commands are necessary. Okay, so he's talking about these right here. It's why Cole and Jess and anybody here at the church is like, let's, let's get in the word. It's not so you can have a nice little good little girl checkbox or a good little boy checkbox. No, it's literally so that we actually have some kind of like instructions on what is a moral compass? What should we do? What shouldn't we do? He's saying at least we have that with the word because we obviously have a hard time choosing what, what's right and wrong if we're left to our own. But what I really want to point out here is the hope that we're going to talk about next, okay? Then Paul goes on to say, okay, great. I got the word of God. That's awesome. But he says, but I need something more. Do you guys feel like you need something more? We come to church, we listen, we worship, we do the things, but then we get out there, and it's hard. It's hard. Our mind, will, and emotions, are we making the right choice? What do we do next? These, these thoughts that plague us. For I know the law, that's the word of God, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I want to make the right choice. Why do I keep making this choice over here that I know is not good for me, that I know the Lord doesn't want for me? I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, they don't result in my actions. That was me for a long time. I wanted to do what was right, but I, I was struggling. It was just, I couldn't figure out how to break these patterns, how to get out of this, how to actually not just go to church and leave feeling good and all worshipy, and then the second somebody <laughs> cuts me off, I'm like losing my mind, or somebody makes me angry, and I'm just like writing them off and wishing nothing good for them. I mean, I was like, how do I... How do I break this? So when, when I was um, younger and I believed in Jesus all these, and went to church, did all the things, when I became about 11th and 10th grade, I really started to get frustrated because I'm like, okay, everybody talks about freedom. Everybody talks about how great it is to follow God. But I was not in my personal life experiencing freedom. What I mean by that, I was still making choices that I knew I shouldn't. I couldn't seem to break any of these, these um, habits that I had these bad choices that I was making, if, if we can use those words. But then I realized, I found out later, that when you ask Jesus into your life, that's just the beginning. I thought, you know, okay, then I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do all the right things. I'm going to check, 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 check. I'm going to, it's going to be good. I'm going to be good. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do all the right things. But God's, that's not it. That's not it. There is so much more because he doesn't leave you alone in that mental mind mosh pit. He does not leave you alone, okay? Because when we actually ask Jesus into our heart, he gives us the Holy Spirit, okay? And I know you guys have talked about the Holy Spirit a little bit, but I don't know that we fully understand what that actually gives you, what that actually means. It changes who you are. You're, I'm no longer this person that's just acting on my own. 
if I want to really truly believe who the Holy Spirit is and the power that is in the Holy Spirit, look at 2 Corinthians. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You're a son and daughter or a daughter of Christ. That's what he calls you. How come? What do they mean? New life? Old life? I feel like nothing's changed except for I feel, you know, a little bit lighter when I worship. But the reality is most of us haven't partnered with the Holy Spirit yet. He also says God, God sees Jesus in you. The other thing is, has ever played whack-a-mole at the state fair? You know, where you're hitting the little mole that pops up his head? I for so long had it in my head that that was God. That was just how God works. I made a mistake, bop, he hits me on the head. Make a mistake over here, bop, he hits me on the head. And you know, it's frantically popping, waiting to punish me for every little bad choice I made. But that's not who God is. When you actually ask Jesus into your life and you say, okay, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave for me. He's my savior, I'm asking him, to take my life. At that moment, you're, you get the deposited Holy Spirit in you. And if you can just give yourself a visual of Jesus, of God the Father, looking down on this room right now, and you have made that decision to follow Christ, do you know what he sees when he looks at you? He sees his son. He sees the spirit of his son. He sees Jesus. That's what the blood of the lamb does. He covers you. When God looks at you, he's like, I forgave sins from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Where we get all jacked up is when we do sin, then we all, our mind, will, and emotion starts getting crazy. All you got to do is come back into alignment with him and say, sorry, Jesus, I repent. And he's like, there's my son. There's the spirit of God on my daughter or on my son. Okay? So we tend to run when we make bad choices, or we tend to run when we're actually, run from God, when we're actually um, not following him or checking off all the rules. But the reality is, guys, he's just waiting right there. He doesn't want you to run. He's like, come right to me. We got this together. He says, for the Lord your God is living among you, actually physically in you, he is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Another one actually says he will dance over you. I mean, literally, when we know the Lord, when he is looking at you, that's what he's doing. But for some reason, we want to think that we actually have to just be like these perfect little boxes and have everything all together. He's like, no, I put my Holy Spirit in you. He's gonna, it's going to help you. Stop doing it alone. There's so much power in that. Now, we struggle because we don't act. He, he, just like I think you've heard people say, Jesus is a, is a gentleman. He's not going to force salvation on you. He's not going to, he gives you free will. You can choose him or you cannot choose him, but he's always right there, always right there. Okay, friends, if you know Jesus right now and you're like, I don't know the Holy Spirit, he's right there. He's literally in you. The word of God says at that moment, your spirit that goes on forever comes alive. But the problem is, is we don't actually 
partner with the Holy Spirit. In just the same way, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. And that's, I think, why when I started realizing, oh, my word, I'm, I'm not just a physical body. I have a soul and I have a spirit that unites with the spirit of God. When I saw those three dimensions, I thought, oh, my word, no wonder I'm tired. I've been trying to do this all by myself. So the Holy Spirit is with you, okay? It's a partnership. Did I say this already? No. Um, that gives you a spirit of love and of self-control. Okay, this is where it's like, what? Okay, so just so I have the Holy Spirit in me, why am I not showing self-control? Why am I not making able to make the right choice all the time? The reality is we have to partner with him. We have to choose. And if you look inside the soul here where I have the Holy Spirit, notice it's a two-way street. See those little black arrows? When we have an emotion or a thought, we have to say, is this what the Lord says about me? I'm over here thinking I'm not lovable. My, my dad, my mom, never, my husband grew up never hearing I love you from his parents. He started to believe, I don't know if I'm lovable. And he started to have to do things to try to achieve their love. And so he became this striver. And reality, when you look at it, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can say, okay, am I lovable? Is that true? Does nobody love me? If you can go to the Holy Spirit and know what the word has to say, this becomes your truth teller. The Holy Spirit wants to say, you are lovable. I've created you. I, for God so loved the world, so God so loved you that he gave his only son so that you can have everlasting life. And not just in heaven, guys. This is, this is where I start to get a little crazy. I'll try not to get too passionate. You think I'm angry. But as Christians, as Christ followers, you get the Holy Spirit deposited in you, Okay. I remember being younger thinking, oh, if I could just be like my, my grandma, she's so like at peace and she knows God and ah, I just want some of that. Here's the deal, guys. The Holy Spirit is waiting for you to partner with them. And you know what? There is no baby Holy Spirit. There is no junior high, senior high Holy Spirit. There's one Holy Spirit. It is the same Holy Spirit in you that is in me. The same Holy Spirit that is in Alice who has been up here, the same Holy Spirit that is in Pastor Dave or any person that you might look up to, Cole, anyone that you look up to. Does it, does it come out a little different? Do we look different? Yeah, you know why? Because my soul's different. My personality's different. I'm going to look different. And I'm being bombarded by life's experiences and life's mess, so it doesn't look perfect all the time, but that's the beauty of it, guys. But the same Holy Spirit in me is the same Holy Spirit in you. It's the same Holy Spirit that actually raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same Spirit that in the Bible, when they're laying their hands on people saying, hey, um, blind man, open your eyes. You can see, and he could see. It's the same Spirit that heals the sick, makes the lame walk, that is in you, that can help you decide, is this a right thought? Is this feeling right? All of these things. He is so concerned that you will actually have freedom, not after you're dead, so that you can go to heaven. That's not why Jesus died. 
just so that you can have eternal life with him. He wants you to have life, freedom, joy, peace, patience, goodness. He wants you to experience all of him here on this earth now. Not when you're older. He wants you to experience it now. What do all those things have in common? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. Those are all feelings, guys. And they start with thoughts and they lead to actions. All of this is intermixed with your soul. And the power of the Holy Spirit is is the key. Okay? I better go back. We have the word of God that we talked about because this is a battle. Okay? And when the Spirit of God gets placed in you and you partner with him, you have the power. Why do we need the word and why do we need to worship? Because it's how we know that what we're hearing the Spirit tell us is truth. Because let's be honest, guys. The Spirit's voice and our own thoughts often sound like the same voice. And so Cole and those guys, everybody at church isn't just trying to jam something down your throat. They want you to know the truth. They want you to be able to identify when the Holy Spirit's talking. Is this true? Is this right? Should I feel this way? Okay, so it's super, it's super important that we actually recognize that this isn't just a bunch of rules. This is also truth that will help us guide and hear from, hear from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. All right, I wish I would have put prayer up here too. It should say word of God, worship, and prayer. Listen to this. We want to talk about the physical body, the soul, and the spirit. God's word is alive, and it's working. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts all the way into us, not just the physical, because it says where the soul and the spirit are joined to the center of our joints and bones, and the word judges the thoughts and feelings of our hearts. And they don't mean judge like the whack-a-mole, oh, bad. No, it helps you put on a scale and say, is this thought or this feeling, is it from God? Or is this not where I should be lining up with? Okay? All right, so those are just the big over basics. The other thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, guys, if you are struggling with something like anxiety, and, and again, if you... There, I'm not talking about if you're in, well, actually, I am. No matter whether it is just occasional, all the time, crippling, doesn't matter. There is power in the Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit. If you have Jesus in you and you experience the Holy Spirit, you have the right and the power and the authority of Jesus to say, you must go. And then to invite in, oh, Lord Jesus, what do you have for me? Okay, there is power in the Holy Spirit. We walk around often acting like we don't have power to fight against the things that drag us down, but you do. But you do, okay? All right, we're gonna quick go through a review, then I'm gonna give you some practical uh, tips on soul care, and you can go back to your your, um, small groups to talk about them. Okay, so soul review. Your soul is one of a kind, and you are loved just as you are. We spend too much time wishing we were like the guy next to us, but... God's got a purpose and a plan for you. The struggle's real. You're not a bad person, but you're not alone, okay? If the Holy Spirit's there, you just got to partner with him. If you need help learning how to do that, talking to somebody through prayer, talk to somebody. Talk to your leaders. Talk to somebody here at the church. You have the Spirit of God in you. You have the weapons to fight with. 
And you have free will, which means you have the choice on who you partner with in this journey of soul care and mental health. Um, counselors, healing and deliverance ministries, these are ways that you can actually, if you feel like you really need help, don't wait. Talk to somebody. Let somebody know. You can do it even if it's just a little bit off, like I'm really struggling with one thing. Well, then let's talk about it. Let's get you in there. Let's, let's see, you know, where can we line you up with the Holy Spirit? Where do you maybe need counseling? Maybe where do you need to know the truth about what God has to say about you? Okay? All right, your practical steps. You guys are going to talk about these in your class. So think about what you're thinking about. When it comes to your mind, are you thinking about what you're thinking about or just letting it run rampant? That's a big deal, okay? Is it true? Is it right? Um, is this line up with what God has to say? Where's this thought coming from? And honestly, you cannot think two thoughts at one time. I'm a scuba diver. I love to dive. You know why I love to dive? I can only think of one thing, and it's something beautiful. You can go from one bad thought to the next bad thought to the next bad thought, or you can choose to turn your thoughts to the Spirit and say, Lord, what do you have for me? What is your word? I'm going to open this up. When I lay in bed and I can't stop thinking and I can't go to sleep, I actually put earbuds in. Sounds crazy. And I just put on the Bible app, push play to Psalms, and you would be shocked at how fast I fall asleep. I, I, I lay there for three hours with spinning thoughts and just hearing the word of God somehow calm my soul enough where next thing I know it's morning. Okay? And then realign with the Holy Spirit. So, like, what am I thinking? Is this from God? Is this healthy? Is this a good thought? Where'd it come from? Think about what you're thinking about. Emotions and feelings. Hit pause. I should have said that on the top. So much of our life, we're just spent just going from one thing to the next. If there's one thing you get out of this message, if it's just the simplest practical tip, hit pause. If you have an intense emotion, just hit pause. That's time out for us older people, but pause in the digital world. Feel, but don't let it consume you. A beautiful person told me that once. It's okay. You want to feel feelings. I'm not saying stuff them down and don't look at them. You want to feel feelings. It's just, are we rolling around all day in bed thinking about the feelings? Are we letting it consume us? Really stop and take a look at that. And again, you, you can only feel one true emotion at a time. And I know Cole mentioned a heart of gratitude. Picking and choosing like some way that you can get your, your mind shifted, your feelings shifted, whatever that takes, going to the word, going to the spirit, talking to a friend, speaking to a counselor, whatever it takes. But if it's in the moment and you're at the dining room table with your siblings, hit pause before you really just freak out on your emotions. And then actions are the same way. We have two things we can do. We can either react or we can act. And reaction does not hit the pause button to act, you actually have to hit the pause button. Stop. Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to clobber this person? Why do I want to trip this person? That bully was mean to me, so I'm going to go over here and sit over here and put a wall up and not let anybody in my life that could possibly hurt me. Mm, is that the right action? Why am I doing that? Because I don't want to get hurt again. Because I, I, I was rejected. Well, maybe talk to somebody about that. Maybe ask God, what does he say? Put yourself out there again. Don't build up the walls. I don't know. Will he tell you that? Maybe he is protecting you. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. 
Not every emotion is bad. Not every feeling is bad. So you definitely want to make sure you're feeling it and working through it. And your actions as well are going to be driven by those. So hit the pause before you act, before you grab the iPad and watch stuff you shouldn't, before you go off on somebody that made you angry today. Stop. Just hit the pause. Seek the Lord in it. But as well, just think about what you're thinking about. And... Um, how you're feeling. They really, that's all in the soul care bucket, okay? Okay, so you guys are going to head off to your small groups. You have some questions that they're going to be talking about, but I, I do want to um, pray us out as we go, just real quick, okay? <laughs> um, because I think there's two groups of people in here tonight. I think there's some of you who are curious about the Lord. And you've watched Christians really screw up, okay? Maybe your mom and dad are professing Christians and you see the worst of them in, their, in your house and you're like, how is this following the Lord? Or maybe just somebody in the church has hurt you. And I want to I speak into that. If you've not chosen the Lord because of that, you got to understand, parents, everybody in the world is, is impacted by all of these things that impact our souls, same as you are. Okay? And that's no excuse for bad behavior, but I am just saying, if you've chosen not to follow Christ because somebody that was a Christ follower was a bad example, I'm going to invite you back to make that choice for the Lord. Okay? Don't give up on God because of people's soul issues, because um, they do impact all of us, I know that. Talk to your leaders, let them know. I'll be up here after if anybody wants to come and talk to me. The second group of people in here that I want to talk to is all those Christian kids that have made the choice to follow Christ but don't know the Holy Spirit. Guys, you're making it harder on yourself than it has to be. I know we want to control everything and the bad, the good, and the ugly. We don't really want to admit our struggle. But guys, the Holy Spirit is real, he loves you. He's a comforter. He's a counselor. He's closer than a friend. He is a friend. He is everything. And if you've, you're like, well, I tried that and it didn't work, let me just tell you, it just takes practice. It just takes practice asking him to show himself to you. It takes practice to go back to him and say, I didn't get healed. What's going on? Heavenly Father, heal me or heal my friend or what? Heal my mind. Heal my feelings. Take this grief, Lord. I don't want it anymore. Okay? Don't give up. Don't give up because God has created you on purpose and for a purpose. And he has so much for you even here in this time. Not just dying to go to heaven someday. He died to give you a beautiful life here and now. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you that you've designed us so beautifully, God. I pray that they will have good discussions in group, God. If there's anybody in this room that's hurting, that needs a word today, just speak to them, Lord. For those kids that know you but don't know your Holy Spirit, God, I pray out a blessing of absolute, powerful, Holy Spirit baptism on these kids where they've tried to go on their own, Lord, 
just like me. I repent. This is how it looks, guys. I repent, Jesus. I tried to do this on my own. I tried to handle my mental health on my own. I've tried to handle everything on my own. I just want to control my soul. But God, I let it go. And I invite in your Holy Spirit. I'm going to partner with you, God. Show me how. Help me with my unbelief. Show me how this works. Give me patience. Give me strength. In your precious name, amen. All right, you guys are dismissed for small group. I'm up here if anyone needs to chat.